If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, joined here with CJ Uri and Steve Cashin. We're going to talk about the NFL, the World Series, and college football today. CJ and I are actually in person doing this together. We haven't done a pod together since February or March with all this social distancing stuff. And Steve's back in Tampa wearing his cowboy hat and Rays jersey. Uh, I hope he's wearing this and then he gets to fall flat on his face and the Rays lose. recording this now after the World Series. What you're about to hear is our conversation before Game 6 of the World Series. The Dodgers, of course, have won the World Series. Congratulations to them. They did a phenomenal job. Steve and I were both wrong. We had the Rays in seven. Steve is now saying he doesn't want to do strictly baseball for at least another week. I completely understand him there. When my Yankees were eliminated, I had to wait three weeks before doing mine. So uh, no more Tampa trifecta, but still have fun listening to us have the conversation before game six and what our thoughts were. Enjoy the rest of the pod. Outs, one out. Maybe even he goes and says, hey, I'm going to pitch you the last three innings in this ball game and get nine outs to, to get them the World Series because they are now – they're 27 outs away. They're close. We've seen them choke before. They've come up close. And now if you're the Dodgers, you just got to you just gotta say, hey, we got to close this out no matter what. We don't want this to go to a game seven. Now if you're the Rays, you do everything you can to win this game tonight as well. And if you can push to seven – the Dodgers are saying, well, here we go again. I mean, it, we gotta, we can't seem to get over the hump. And for the Rays, it's just it, it's staying calm, not panicking. They need a good outing from Blake Snell. And if the bats stay consistent and stay hot, aggressive, and I, I really like their chances going into uh, in tonight's game and pushing it to a game seven Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, CJ, have you been watching the World Series at all? How do you think this is going to go? Yeah, I've been watching the World Series. Um, I wouldn't say, like, there were only, like, two games I think I actually, like, like watched the full nine just because there were other sports on. I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but um, I don't think I've seen a better baseball game in recent memory that, like, really stuck out to me than that Rays win with the, um, the, the outfielders error, then the catchers error from the Dodgers, and then the Dodgers head coach is just, like, about to throw a fit in the, in the, in the dugout. That, that was awesome, like. Genuinely, that was like where you sit there, you watch baseball, and you're like, you know what? Like these types of games is what's going to get a casual fan to be like, I got to tune into the next one. So you love that for the sport. It's been great seeing some fans in the stands too. Um, regardless, uh, it's been a little tough for baseball too, just because um, when the baseball playoffs were going on, there was still, I'm pretty sure, some NBA action going on. Um, and then NFL is just so huge right now. So Regardless, I think the World Series has gotten their their fair share of publicity, which is very good for the sport. Like I, you know, I listened to uh, Undisputed this morning, and um, you know, they were even covering some of the Dodgers and the Rays, um, you know, highlights. And you're like, you know, these guys don't ever really cover baseball. That means it's just that big of a series and that in that entertaining of a series that you know, sports media wants to talk about it more than they want to talk about like Tom Brady every day. So. Um, 
I think that this series has been very good for sports because it shows that you can have one juggernaut side of a team against a team that, you know, develops and, and doesn't have the payroll that like a LA team will ever have. And it shows that you can get to the world series. You can get to the super bowl. You can get to the NBA finals um, without having this ridiculous team. And, you know, regardless, I think it's a great story and I hope the Rays extend it and it goes to a game seven. Yeah. And that's so true. Cause you look at the teams that the Rays beat too, you know, you beat the Yankees who have this enormous payroll you beat the Astros who have all these superstars. You look at the Rays. I mean, now you're starting to see what this group is going to look like coming into the years forward because they do have a lot of young players that are really good, but they were kind of unknown. The national baseball landscape, they didn't know Brandon Lau. They didn't know Meadows. They didn't – nobody knew about Arena. He's been insane. Most hits in the postseason ever. And I think – Steve, correct me. I think it's the most homers in a postseason ever, too, or uh, po- within a postseason series. It was something like that. But he's been yeah, incredible. In, yeah, in one postseason run, uh, he has the most homers as of right now. And ironically enough, Corey Seager's on the other side, trailing by one home run at with eight. So, but it's been crazy. Like to hit nine homers in a postseason in one run, it's like uh, that's unheard of. You you've seen guys do four or five, but to hit nine, that he's been putting the weight of you know, the team on his back. If it wasn't for him, they wouldn't be in the spot they are now. But um, I'm gonna go back to what CJ said, like about. The disparity between the payrolls. It's like for the Rays here, I think if they could somehow win this series, I think it would change the game. I really, I really do. With this payroll they have, $23 million versus $110 million, I think it really would change the outlook of the game or the way teams, you know, build their rosters. Like your goal is not to buy wins with players, but it's to buy runs and to buy buy little assets that, that do win you those games. And it's buying walks, buying, buying pitching, strikeouts. And that's kind of the concept of Moneyball. If, you, if anyone's seen that movie, it's like that's how the Oakland A's built their teams. Now that's how the Rays are doing their, their philosophy now. And if they somehow win this, it'll change the scope, I think, of the league. And they don't need those big-ticket players to win World Series. So we'll see what happens tonight. they got to win one tonight, and we'll go from there. But uh, – Dodgers looking to close this one out. And I think it's just going to be a, it's going to be a battle for, for both teams. Absolutely. So uh, that game's tonight at eight o'clock on Fox game seven would be tomorrow night. And we're recording this on Tuesday. So Tuesday's game six, possible game seven on Wednesday. And then of course, Steve and I, after the world series is over, we'll go over uh, the whole series on that pod. And also if you want to hear me rant about the Yankees, I finally made that podcast talking about how the Yankees lost. So that's out there strictly Yankees on iHeart. Apple and Spotify. So now we're going to move to the NFL. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's talk about FAU football first. So FAU lost this weekend to Marshall. Uh, you know, I was over here saying I didn't think they were going to win. I don't want to take credit for this because it sucks that I'm right about it. But, uh, you know, you guys were also on the fence. You definitely saw the light at the end of the tunnel there about how FAU could win, uh, but nothing really formulated together. Uh, CJ, I know you you were watching that game. You know, what went wrong for FAU this weekend? I actually think a lot of things went right for FAU this weekend. I wouldn't even say that too much went wrong. Uh, Marshall is ranked number 19 now. It sucks that we didn't get a win over a ranked team. Like, that sucks. But at the same time, you have to look at what FAU has right now, and they've got a deep roster, okay? Coach Levitt on the defense, that guy is unbelievable. I don't know what – like, I don't know too much about Levitt before coming over to, to FAU. I do know that he's a defensive guru. And he's come over, and we had 
COVID issues on the interior defensive line. We, we didn't have some studs on there, including uh, Southall, who had an unbelievable game against Charlotte. Um, and the defense looked great. The blitz packages looked awesome. Uh, the defensive backs are actually playing some great football. I think we're getting a little cooked over the top, but the Marshall offense can always take the top off of, off of the defense when you have a quarterback that can actually throw the long bomb like that. Um, I just thought the defense played really well. They, they, they made that um, Grant Wells guy from, from Marshall who, the, you know, they were totally all over him before the game started about, you know, this guy's unbelievable. The, you know, Marshall, they're so good. <laughs> the FAU want, like, as an FAU fan, you get a lot of, you get a lot of CUSA BS games, right? And that was the perfect taste of this is what it would be like if we moved up a conference. This is what it would be like every week where you're playing a team that it, the game matters and it's a tough game. You're going into the game. You got to get in the trenches. You got to win a battle. You, the game's heated. You got players in each other's face, flags thrown, thrown. Then those, then the big play comes around and you're up off your couch screaming. Like that's the stuff you want. I was so pleased with the performance and I was so pleased with the heart. The only thing that I sit there, I'm like, holy cow, the team is really undisciplined. There were a few times that flags took us out of the game. Willie Taggart has got to fix that. They have absolutely got to work on the communication between Tronti and Willie Taggart. We would burn our three timeouts before even crunch time got to the fourth quarter because Tronti gets to the line and he's got a, he, he does a fake hike. And then he looks to the sideline and you're like, what are you doing? You're at 10 seconds on the clock. And then everybody else is up off the line looking at the sideline. And Willie's like, you got to step. We already have the play in. And I just think Tronti is not at all confident right now. I don't know what, we're, what, what they need to, to work on per se, but all I know is TJ Chase is the, is the number one guy on the offense right now. That guy can box out any defensive back in Conference USA and totally mask Tronti's uh, inefficiencies. So they need to look his way as much as possible. Yeah, Steve. What yeah, you I, mean, I, 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 I agree with everything you're saying, CJ. I mean, they played the perfect game to win, to give themselves an opportunity to win that football game. And you look at the breakdown, two big plays, two big touchdown plays, ultimately won the game for Marshall. The big, big run by uh, Brendan Knox and play before that was a pass interference, kind of ticky-tack call, in my opinion, gives them another set of downs. Uh, run a draw play and he ends up scoring and then the one long pass to really kind of not put the dagger in but it made it 20 I think it was 14 and nine they, they get him the lead again we had the lead for about 30 seconds but that was another pass interference call that was made that was very close um, but then the FAU defense gave him a chance to win at the end and uh, they got him in field goal range it's at that point it's 17 to nine and our guy drops the interception undisciplined play guy blows up the receiver that wasn't even going after the ball personal foul gives him a gives him another set and we ended up stopping him for a field goal it was 20 to 9 at that point but it got to where we like cj said we had no timeouts we're burning we're just kind of all over the place in certain areas they got to be more disciplined they got to get they got to get themselves corralled in the sideline you can't be burning timeouts when there's ample time left in the half and it came down to i think it was Fourth down, we were on the Marshall 12-yard line. Willie Taggart can kick the field goal and trust his defense to get a stop. We still need eight points, but I see where he's coming from there. He, he's got one timeout left. He's thinking, I got to score this touchdown here, get it within striking distance, get a stop, and we have a chance. But 
I'm I'm proud with how they played with such uh, they were short on depth. Their running back backup running got got hurt, and uh, they fought hard. And I don't know. I just think they couldn't have done any better with what they had. And unfortunately, you missed opportunities there. But um, great sign for FAU after being off for two weeks. And uh, it's the sky. It's the limit for this team if they are fully healthy, stay off the COVID list, and we'll move on to UTSA next week and just get a win and try to win out the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the little things. These are the things that a group like this needs to learn. They need to know how to play in crunch time. They need to know how to game manage. This is the stuff you do with a team. That's how you build culture. And the UTSA game, like you said, that's this weekend. I believe I'm announcing this game, so I don't know who I'm announcing it with yet, uh, but it will be on FAULradio.com. I'll have the call for that game, so it should be fun. Uh, then FAU gets Western Kentucky after that. Then they're on the road to FIU. Then Mid-Tennessee after that on the road. And then after that, I believe FAU picked up a game against UMass. So that's pretty cool on the uh, 21st. So it's going to be very nice that they picked up that extra game. So now let's move to the NFL. And this was a really – this is a wacky week. I was watching NFL Red Zone this Sunday, 1 o'clock. That end stretch, those fourth quarters, the 1 o'clock games, the best stretch of football I've seen this year. Every game, one possession, crunch time, down to the line – Great plays, insane stuff was happening at the end. So we're just going to go over all of it. We got to talk about that. I would never talk about a game between one and five and zero oh and five, whatever teams. But the end of this Lions and Falcons game was crazy. Uh, the fact that the Falcons, Todd Gurley falls in the end zone, tries to stay out of it, but then the time, so he scores, and then Detroit had just enough time to go into the end zone, score, to, uh, get the field goal, I believe it was after that. So you were watching that game, I'm sure. That was just crazy. I mean, this is the definite. I tweeted out, this is the definition of the Atlanta Falcons. They are born chokers. And I'm telling you, look for Matt Ryan and Julio tra Jones trade offers right now. Get the rebuild going. There's just no sense in keeping this core together. They can't win. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a top 10 draft pick um, when it's all said and done. Uh, you got to you got to really think to yourself, you know, if you're Arthur Blank and the Falcons, like, where are we going to go with, with, with what we have here? We've got a lot of really skilled players. I mean, you look at the side of the ball, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, like that's crazy. And they need to, for sure, um, if, if they're going to keep this core, like if they're going to keep this like, group of guys together, then what they need to do is they need to, they need to like, I actually I don't even know what they can do because they've got so much money tied up in that offense. That they're not going to be able to do much of the O-line and the defense, and that's the real problem. They can score points. Falcons are always going to score points. But if you can't keep the other team out of the end zone, you can't keep Matt Ryan from getting pressured, you're never going to win football games. And to be honest, I was pretty happy to see Matt Stafford uh, get that win late. And good for him. I, I, you know, like, regardless of the Falcons, like I've talked about the Falcons many times on the podcast. They're just, they're just not good. They're just not a good team, not a good organization. Um, they've got skill players. They're just like the Cowboys. That's, that's what they, the, the Falcons are the, are the Cowboys in a, in a parallel universe. That's all it is. And um, I think I'd rather just, you know, basically say, Hey, Matt Stafford, nice throw at the end there. Ice in your veins, get your team, the dub, get out of there, uh, stay competitive. But <laughs> if you're the Falcons though, you know how the season's going to end up. You're going to be like seven and nine, eight and eight, be like a game or two out of the playoffs. And then you're in a crappy draft spot and it just rinse repeat. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that that organization is in such turmoil in terms of, I guess, their talent on the field. They just nothing's going right. Like, look what happened this past weekend. Like you said, Todd Gurley 
gets over the goal line by a couple inches and they end up losing the game late by one point off an extra point. And I think it's, if you're the Falcons, you just start blowing the team up. I think you start looking for assets. Like Jacob said, trade away Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, get whatever you can in return. Cause right now you're sitting at one and six schedule ain't getting any easier. They're going, they play the bucks two more times. They play the saints, I believe twice. And they play the chiefs and the chargers. So you're looking at, I think this team doesn't get more than three wins. I think you're looking at three and 12. What is it? Three and 13. Probably I think somewhere start, around there. I think you start looking for, for, for trade assets that you can start building this team up. Like CJ said, you have a top 10 draft pick more than likely, maybe even top five. Um, I just think you got to start rebuilding now before it's too late. And no one wants to get these guys like Matt Ryan, Julio later on the season, but um just an organization that is going to be a, it's going to take a lot for them to get back to where they want to be. I don't see them reaching to that, that Super Bowl, uh, that, that, that kind of heights they were when they, a few years ago, it's just, it's going down from here and they got to really regroup quick. Yeah. Now we'll move on to this uh, Cleveland Browns Cincinnati Bengals game. And I tweeted this out too. This is a better win for Cleveland than people think. This was the game where Baker Mayfield showed that it, at some point, at least sometimes, he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL because after he started that 0-5 run, he had that pick in the beginning of the game. He went 22 for 23 completion-wise. This is what everyone said about Baker coming out of college. Accurate quarterback makes the throws. He hadn't been doing that in, in the last year and a half. He's finally getting back to that. He had five touchdowns, no picks after that first pick on the first pass. But let me say this. Joe Burrow is so impressive to be on a team like the Cincinnati Bengals and to put your team in the position to win every single week. This dude just had 35, 47, 406 yards, three touchdowns against a really talented Cleveland Browns defense. This guy is the real deal. He is legit. And once they surround him with players, the Bengals are going to be, I mean, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback, but the Bengals are going to be a playoff team or a contender every single year with this guy under the helm. But talking about the Cleveland Browns, they're five and two now. But I mean, even though Baker did well, when you beat a team like Cincinnati by only a field goal, that kind of worries me when you're talking about, oh, well, we got to face the Steelers, got to face the Ravens, we got to face even Buffalo, you got to face Kansas City. I don't see Cleveland beating any of those teams, Tennessee. So Cleveland needs another signature win, in my opinion. I mean, they beat the Colts, that was a great win, but they need another signature win, in my opinion, to get to that, oh, we need to be scared of them come playoff time. Um. I think that what you need to see from the Cleveland Browns is just consistency from Baker Mayfield. And I'm telling people right now that it's coming and this is it. Here's why. Odell Beckham Jr. is now out for the season. Okay. That's sad. I have Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, in a fantasy league. That's very tight. I, I, I actually think Odell Beckham Jr. on his day is one of the best wide receivers in the league. People wouldn't, people wouldn't really argue that. He might have the best hands in the league in like a one-on-one -on -one situation other than DeAndre Hopkins, maybe, you know, he makes such tough catches and he makes it easier on the quarterback, but not in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield, I wouldn't say is insecure in that offense, but he feels out alpha in that offense when o Odell Beckham Jr. comes back to the huddle. He feels pressure to look Odell Beckham's way and to force a pass. He does not get through his full reads. Why doesn't he not get through his full reads? Because he's going to get his ass chewed out on the sideline if he misses Odell Beckham Jr. 
Odell Beckham Jr. wants to be on the highlight. He wants to be on Sports Center Top 10. He wants to be one of the best fantasy wide receivers. He wants to make a bunch of money. He wants to score. That doesn't always translate into the team winning. And what happened? What happened when, when Odell Beckham went out? Freaking Baker Mayfield pops off like four or five touchdowns. Harrison Bryant's catching two. Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry is fired up. Donovan People Jones is 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 in the end zone catching touchdowns. Like, you know, and Baker Mayfield's like, I'm getting through my whole read. I can gun the ball to whoever I want right now, and I don't have pressure to come back to the to the uh to the huddle. Now Jarvis Landry, he's flashy. He wears flashy cleats. He 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 dyes his hair a, a different color or whatever. But Jarvis Landry has never been that much of a problem for a quarterback. He's a slot wide receiver. He's there for you, you know? And, and I just felt mm-hmm. like Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield's relationship was Odell wasn't like, I'm here for you. It was, you're going to need to pass me the ball and I'm trying to get some crazy contract at some point. And that sounds a little, it, it, that might be totally not true, but for Baker Mayfield, there was definitely pressure for him to, to force the football to Odell Beckham Jr., which related into interceptions, stagnant offense. And I think going forward, they're going to have a formula of, hey, wait, you know, we have this tight end that won the Mackey Award in college. He's sitting right here. He's got great hands. He's a matchup nightmare for, for nickel uh, uh, defenders. Oh, look, we got Jarvis Landry here who's easily a top five slot wide receiver since he's got into the, to the NFL. And, you know, we, got, we have weapons. And then you got Kareem Hunt who's playing unbelievable football. So that – and the and O-line's Trump's good. Coming Trump's coming back. The O-line's good, and the defense has studs on it. There should be no drama in the huddle. There should be no, like, I have to throw it to this guy. Or, I, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this. I, I don't want to come back to the sideline and get chewed out. Just win football games. They have one of the best rosters mm-hmm. on paper on paper in the league. They might have the most talent in the AFC on a roster. Them and the Chiefs are up there for just straight-up talent mm-hmm. on a team. And there's no reason why the Baker Mayfield can't string it together going forward. And see, before Baker Mayfield's pop off, like you had like guys like Colin Cowherd and guy only knows who were tweeting like, of the thirty-two starting quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield might be the least talented. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Baker Mayfield's more talented than Teddy Bridgewater. Baker Mayfield is more talented than Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield's more talented than than freaking Joe Flacco. Like, come on, like that's so ridiculous. And he proved everybody wrong. He threw four or five touchdowns. I want to see the guy succeed, and I want to see the Browns get out of the toilet. And he was pumped up too. I mean, you saw the emotion when they scored that end the touchdown to go ahead. You saw him. He was so excited on the field. You haven't seen that in a year and a half, really. So, Steve, what did you think about that game? Yeah, I mean, I was I was watching back and forth. Uh, I was watching the the Panthers and Saints game, and uh, I turned it back on. To, I saw Joe Burrow led his team down the field and they they got ahead uh 34 to 30 or what yeah 34 30 i turned it back on and, and baker there he goes he rolls his team down i think for him himself that was such a big win because I, throughout the week people are like well this is it for baker if he can't beat the Bengals, he's out his job's in jeopardy yeah and you know he he's and we were saying it. i mean i'm i'm not a big believer, i was but, yeah I mean that's a big, it's a that's a great win for him. It, it, it his confidence, throw five touchdowns and one interception. He's twenty two for twenty eight. It's a great game. You couldn't have you know drawn it up any better if you're Baker. But um, you did it against the Bengals defense. I think that is very uh, average at best. I'm not knocking him, but it's, it's a great win. He still scored thirty seven points. But I for this Cleveland Browns team, I want to see them do that against the Ravens or the Steelers. You know, I want to see a. They play the Titans coming up here in a few weeks uh, later down the road, beginning of December. They play the Titans, Ravens, 
and the Steelers to close out the year. So if they can start, if they can get some momentum, win some games, I do believe they end up, end up 10 and six and they're going to make the playoffs. But I want to see them against these teams like the Titans that are number one, number two seeds in the AFC, play them tight, play, play like you just did this past week. And I think teams will start buying into the Cleveland Browns going to the playoffs and thinking, Hey, they're not going to get their shit kicked by anyone else in this in this conference. So great win for the Cleveland Browns. They have a ton of weapons, like CJ said, if they can just find consistency and just keep pushing forward, not listen to the outside noise, they'll be, they'll be just fine. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, speaking about the Titans, you two were completely right. I tweeted this out too. Tennessee needs another defensive asset because this is now two weeks in a row that they have not been able to get stops late in the game. And I love how they came back in that game. Before we talk about the Titans themselves, I got to talk about the Steelers. Uh, listen, this team, I, I have such a weird sense about this team because the way I think their offense works, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but the way that they use their receivers is kind of like how Shanahan uses his running backs. It doesn't matter who's, who the wide receiver is. As long as you're running the right route, they're going to catch the ball. And it seems like Ben has four or five different guys. Sometimes it's a guy you've never heard of that's catching a touchdown pass. They have such a perfect system for Big Ben right now, dip and dunk. Guy in the slot, guy in the wideout. They have a perfect system right now for Big Ben with five different receivers. You don't know who he's going to throw to. They also have uh, Eric Ebron at tight end. I think they have another tight end as well. And then you have James Conner. So there's such a – there's so, so much uh, deception on that offense that you don't know who they're going to go to when. And I just think they have – it, it, it kind of reminds me of the Saints from a few years ago except with more weapons because the Saints, it was just Michael Thomas and Kamara and Breeze, and that was really it. Big Ben, they've got this offensive line. They've got a running back. They've got four or five receivers. They've got a practice squad receiver they added to the roster that you didn't even game plan for that's going to end up scoring a touchdown. you got two tight ends, and you've got a top five defense. This team, and I'm going to admit it right here, I underrated the Steelers so badly. Never underrate the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of the best-run franchises in the NFL. Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and they're going to be a major threat in the playoffs. And quite frankly, I think they're better than the Baltimore Ravens. CJ, what are you thinking about the Steelers? They're blowing me away right now. So I was, I've been a little surprised about the Steelers as well. Um, after a couple games watching them, I was just like, you know, Big Ben just doesn't throw that great of a football anymore. He's so he, – he might be the most immobile quarterback in the NFL too. I think Tom Brady is definitely way more mobile than Big Ben is. And you just watch the guy just like putts around in the, in, in the pocket and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, the injury, and then he's just throwing footballs where you're like, you know, he completed the pass, but there was no zip. What, what, like, you know, because he had the he had the injury and, and all that, but it just took a few games for him to get warmed up. He's kind of getting back to being Big Ben, and the thing is, is that defense is amazing. They probably are the best defense in the AFC. Maybe, maybe the Ravens have a you know a contend up there, you know. I would even say the Dolphins are up there, but I would say the Steelers are probably the best defense in the AFC. And when you have the best defense in the AFC and you're undefeated, and if you can go into the playoffs with home field advantage, and hopefully by the playoffs we're, we're going to see we're going to introduce a bunch of fans to the games, and there will actually be a home field advantage. You know, with that defense, there's no reason why the Steelers can't sit there and say, "Why not us?" Like I know that people they're six and zero. Steve's like having an aneurysm over here. Oh my God. Steve, Steve, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm like dying over here. Jeez. 
God's trying to take me out for the Rays game tonight. Yeah. Maybe help me out. Yeah. Uh, just letting everybody know Steve's got the uh, sheriff's hat on right now. Jesus Christ. Looking to round somebody up. Um, no, so, I, I mean, if you're a Steelers fan and you're the Steelers organization, you're like, you're sitting here, you're like, you know, why not us? And that's the thing. It's like, why not the Steelers? You know, like people, I, I would still sit here and say, even with the Steelers being 6-0, I would still pick the Chiefs to come out of the, the AFC. I would still pick the Ravens. I'd actually probably still pick the Titans. I like the Titans better. But the Steelers are right there. There's no like like if you if you told me like right now if somebody if some higher power came down and told me the Steelers are going to be in the Super Bowl, I'd be like, you know what? I, I mean, I'm not really that surprised because they're just good. They're good, and that that's good for the AFC though because I, I wanted there to be that fourth team in the mix to to make the Ravens, Titans, and Chiefs like uncomfortable, and this is for sure it. And I think that out of all those teams, Mike Tomlin goes toe-to-toe, if not better than all those guys in that coaching staff. So um, I'm very surprised by the Steelers this year. I didn't think that they'd be this good. I knew the defense would be good, but I didn't think the offense would be scoring that many points. I mean, over the years, they've lost Lev Bell, Antonio Brown. Um, they even lost an O-lineman first game, forgetting his name. Uh, but, yes, I agree. I'm, I'm surprised by the Steelers, but pleasantly surprised. Like you said, very good point. They are always one of the best-ran uh, organizations in all of sports, and it always shows. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Steelers a lot, too. Um, beginning of the year, I wrote them off. I said they were going, I think it was 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, and seven at best. But they're, they're continuously proving people wrong week by week. And that defense uh, is for real. They held the Titans under 300 total yards, 83 rushing yards on Sunday. But here's the one thing I'll say with the Steelers team that concerns me going to the playoffs. And like you said, I think – the Chiefs do beat them, the Ravens do beat them if they run into each other in the playoffs because I think the Steelers lack that one thing that playoff teams do, put teams away. And this Sunday kind of proved that point. It was 27-7, and they had ample opportunities to close the door and just kind of write the Titans away and be like, all right, this game's over. Big Ben had three interceptions, and, and, and they were on the Titans' side of the field I think he airmails one to the corner of the end zone. He got his triple covered. And the corner had no chance. He was never going to get there. Claypool was never going to get there. And then there was another one late in the game where they had a chance to put it up, go up 14, and that game is done. It's cooked. Four guys around him, no chance. So that, to me, uh, uh, if I would concern me as a Steelers fan, as Big Ben's trying to force these throws to, to put teams away instead of staying with what they did the whole, whole game plan is dunk and dive, keep – you distribute the football to all your weapons and we're going to slowly methodically move up the field and end the game that way. If the Steelers can figure out how to put teams away, they're going to be dangerous. The, the one game they have put teams away this year is the Cleveland Browns game when they won 38, seven. Other than that, all the games have been one possession, either Texans, Broncos, Giants, even the Eagles. Those were all one, two possession games and within striking distance. So if the Steelers can figure that out, I think they'll be dangerous, and they have plenty of time to, to play the right football at the right time. So they're going to be one of the favorites. Um, I like what they're doing up there. And for Tennessee, they're doing a lot of good things too. They're finding ways to get turnovers on defense, keeping themselves in games. Derrick Henry's a monster, and I just think they, like we said last week, they just need one guy on defense that limits that big play for their team. And if they can do that, they'll be just fine. I think this past weekend's loss is a wake-up call for the Titans. Everything was going so perfect for them. Now they kind of face some adversity. 
uh, I think you'll see them bounce back very nicely uh, this coming week and the rest of the season. You're totally right about Pittsburgh. They're not able to kind of put away the game. I mean, I was nervous. I bet them plus one and a half this weekend, and I'm sitting there like, are you kidding me? You might not even get me the game. And if it wasn't for Goskowski again missing a field goal, he's done that a few times this year. I think it was in Denver. Uh, maybe it was Denver, but he, he's yeah, been missing field goals all year. He's not the Goskowski from even a year ago. So it's kind of weird just seeing how he completely falls off. I mean, he's a kicker. I mean, Vinatieri didn't ever fall off. He played till he was 45 years old. So – just weird to see Goskowski go through these struggles, but you're totally right about Tennessee. They need more. So I'm going to quickly run through the kind of games that don't really matter that much. Bills beat the Jets 18 to 10. Very pissed off about that game. I bet Bills minus 10 and a half or 10 or something like that. They won by eight points, but I, I was smart. Second half, I said, you know what? There's a halftime bet minus seven. I bet that I got $5 profit on the game. So at least I got that. But Bills, really? You couldn't beat the Jets by 10. They're starting to worry me a little bit because. You know, this is three weeks in a row where, you know, they're kind of iffy. They're not going to beat the big teams. They're just not. They're a first-line playoff exit depending on who they're playing. Cowboys in Washington, how about them Cowboys? I love seeing it. Washington football team beating them 25-3, to absolutely humiliating them. When I got to CJ's place, Undisputed's playing. Skip Bayless is humiliated on television. It's great to see. It really is. Packers beat the Texans. We knew this one was going to happen. I won 50 bucks off this game, 35-20. I'm um, looking for other not really important games. Chiefs beat the Broncos 43-16. Chargers beat the Jaguars 39-29. Justin Herbert is the real deal. That 70-yard touchdown pass he threw, he basically flicked it. I mean, he's got an amazing arm, a chooch for Justin Herbert. Uh, 49ers, Pats, 33-6 win for the 49ers. Don't count them out just yet. The 49ers are not going anywhere. They are still there. So here are some important games. We had the... And I'll go in order of time. So I'm going to go back up a little bit. Oh, the Saints game, 27-24 victory over the Panthers. This was actually a really important game because depending on who won this game, it was going to be who was in second place, who was in third place. And that matters a little bit more this year because of the NFC West where you might have three or four teams making it. So it's really important in the NFC South to win these division games. Saints won by a field goal without Michael Thomas and without Emmanuel Sanders. So it's actually good to see Drew Brees able to put up almost 30 points against Carolina like that. And by the way, Teddy Bridgewater, he's a top 10, top 12 quarterback, in my opinion. Everywhere he goes, he wins. I get it. They're three and four. Who had the Panthers being three and four right now? I mean, everyone had them being, you know, four and 12, three and 13. He puts the, his teams in positions to win. Love him at quarterback. Without, so what did you think about the Saints without game? Christians. Yeah, without McCaffrey, too. That's a big point. So legit quarterback in Teddy. What did you think about that Saints game? Um, you know, I, I, you know, somebody told me today, forgetting who in, in a group chat was saying like, I, you know, I think Breeze's arm is going to fall off before Brady's and Brady's is a little older uh, than Drew. And I kind of agree with that. Now, you know, the outcome of the game, what was the final score again? 27, 24. 27 to 24. Look, that's without exactly this without Michael Thomas without Sanders. I just think it, it's hilarious to me that people were were like, you know, the Saints are done. Drew Brees is just done. You know, I do think that Drew Brees is showing like crazy signs of age, um, and you know, it's only natural. But the Saints aren't done. They still have an awesome defense. They've got a great D line. They've got a stout uh, 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 pass coverage. They are a good football team. They're a playoff team, and like you will know where the Saints are 
when they when they when they do the rematch against the Bucks who have hit stride. Like you will genuinely know like where the Saints are as 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 a team, as a coaching staff, once they go up against Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, that that Bucks defense who's hit stride, I'm telling you, they're disciplined now. The, you know, I don't want to make this a Bucks conversation here, but after the Bears game, there had to have been words said in the locker room because the only reason why they lost the Bears game was because they were undisciplined. They were, play, mm-hmm. they, they were making college football-level mistakes for flags. And I genuinely believe that the Saints are a great football team. They're going to be in the playoffs. But you'll know if they're pretenders or contenders this year come the Bucks game, but the rematch. They might play some other good teams coming around here, but you'll know where Drew Brees is when he goes up against Brady again because Brady's lights out right now. Teddy Bridgewater's great. I like the Panthers to be there at the end for wild card. I, they're still a rebuilding team. People forget. They've lost people on defense over the years. They've lost people on offense over the years. And it's going to come together for the Panthers soon. I like Matt Rule. I think he's good. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a franchise quarterback. I think everybody could agree that, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, you can sign him to a franchise quarterback deal because you're never not going to be in it in the season. You got to just pair him up with the defense that could get him back on the field and get cooking, and you're good. I think they just need a couple weapons out there um, uh, on offense more, not like, you know, superstar-level weapons because you still have CMC. Uh, but I think that they need another, like, like difference-maker wide receiver. Um and I think they're good to go. So, you know, I, I th- it's a great win for the Saints because they didn't have weapons, like you guys said, and the Panthers are a good football team. So this is something you can, you can build off of if you're the Saints. You could go back to the locker room and say, hey, look at us. Like, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have MT. We didn't have Sanders. We got a bunch of drama in the media because of Michael Thomas. And Sean Payton's coming out, and he's saying, like, this isn't true. That's not true. People are dating Drew or, – or doubting Drew Brees. And they come out, and you know what? They win a tight one against the Panthers team that's probably going to be in the playoffs. So – Good for the Saints. They're still here. They're still relevant. We'll know where they are when they play the Bucks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, you hit all the points there. And uh, that game's kind of deceiving because both teams were, were missing key assets on the offense. Like I said, uh, Carolina was missing uh, McCaffrey. They have been missing him for a few weeks now. And who knows? In that Bears game a couple of weeks back, they could have maybe – they lost by one possession, maybe win that game if they have Christian. This week they were held to, I believe it was – let's see, I have right here – 37 rushing yards this week. You can't win an NFL football game with 37 rushing yards, and that's just not going to happen. And the Saints had a balance attack this week, 400 total yards, and without without Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. So I think for the Saints, the great win. You grinded it out against a quality opponent, a division rival, and they got the job done. And now they move on to the Bears this coming week. I think it's a tough – it's a very tough three weeks for, for the Saints coming up. you got the Bears – Bucks and the 49ers who are starting to play good football, uh, like Jacob said, they, they're they're starting to figure out on defense that that's that Super Bowl kind of defense we saw last year make it all the way out, and their offense is starting to click. Jimmy G's still struggling a little bit, didn't throw a touchdown pass, but their their ground attack was really nice this past week. So the Saints really they got to bear down the next three weeks. We'll find out who what they are if they're if Drew Brees is aging, is, is this team in the right spot moving forward? So, but no, nonetheless, they, they stayed on par with the Bucks this week within that win and staying even in the division, uh, uh, divisional standing. So we'll see what happens next week, but uh, I don't think the Saints are going anywhere. Uh, the whole Drew Brees slanders in the same realm with Brady. It's like they're both still great quarterbacks. And uh, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's a, it's a bunch of BS. So the Saints are still right there and they'll, they'll be, 
at the end. Yeah, well, hey, we got to talk about the Bucks now because they beat the crap out of the Raiders 45-20. to 20. I'll go to you first, Steve. First off, you guys officially signed Antonio Brown this morning. He's on your team, so now you got A.B., Evans, Godwin, Gronk, who, by the way, Gronk's back. Like, he's the real Gronk. Nobody thought when he signed that he'd be able to go back to old Gronk. He's Hall of Fame Gronk right now. He's playing out of his mind. You still have Brait. You have Fournette. You have Ronald Jones. You have LaShawn McCoy. Top 10 offensive line last year, which is even better this year. And then number two defense against the run. I mean, this team – I mean – Listen, we, before the season, we were all saying, like, okay, if everything clicks, this team could really be a super – but everything actually clicked. We didn't – I don't think any of us actually thought that everything would click, but everything's actually clicked, and this team is a total Super Bowl contender. First off, do you like this, the Antonio Brown signing, Steve? And what about that win with Tom Brady? 33 for 45, 369 yards, four TDs, MVP candidate. That was, real quick before yeah. Steve start. That was vintage Tom Brady. Like, that was Tom Brady when he had Randy Moss, and they were just, like, absolutely electric city on that offense. Like, that was when – that was Tom Brady when you were like, oh, my God, Tom Brady is just that good. Yeah. I mean, 100% agree with there. And, well, I'll get that in a second. Uh, but the A-B signing, uh, I, I really don't know what to think about it. I mean, yes, he's it's a great talent, uh, one of the more – uh, generational wide receivers as of uh, when he was in his prime before all the outside noise started taking over his life. But um, I'm still, I'm weary of the signing, I should say. I just, I, I don't know how he's going to react to, is he going to be a good locker room guy? And Bruce Arian said, hey, be a team player, be gone. And I think that's a great message to send right away and saying, we're not going to, we're not going to deal with all the crap. And if you're, if you start trouble, you're out of here. I mean, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to win a Super Bowl here. They're doing the right things at the right time. Everyone's starting to mold together. Gronk is playing good. The defense is starting to click. Whatever happened in that Bears game, I think Tom Brady said something. We cannot win football games if we keep committing these penalties. False starts, holdings, pass interference, play after play. So, for me, A.B.'s just got to sit back and just win football games. Just do your part. You're not going to get the ball every, every time. This offense has so many weapons. They're distributing the ball so many places mike evans is getting two three targets a game and he'd be the first one to tell you if when he comes in that door be like hey listen you're not going to get the targets you got in pittsburgh or when you were with tom in new england for a couple weeks it's just not going to happen you're going to get your chance we're going to win a lot of football games going forward and if you want to buy into the mentality this team has a great chance to go and potentially win a super bowl long way to go but uh that game on sunday was great it it eerily resembled the the Packers game slow start for that defense they got down early defense got gashed first drive made some good adjustments it was 10-7 and then they kind of hung around a little bit and the offense just exploded uh Gronk had a had a career day again and uh touchdown I think he had a close to 80 yards and uh Scotty Miller Mike Evans Chris Godwin everyone on that offense was doing their part and my favorite part of this team is not the offense, but it's the defense. I love Levante David. I love Devin White. He's a beast in that linebacking core. And they're just they're just carrying their way on that side of the ball. But um, uh, back to Tom Brady real quick. I'll wrap it up with Bucks talk. But uh, there were some throws there. He had he had some zip. He there was a few throws there where he was throwing some dots. And that ball was they weren't little ducks. They he was throwing a tight windows and it had some movement on his ball. And 
that's something that I had really a lot of questions going into this year was, is Brady going to have that arm strength? You know, he's, he's aging and he's proving people wrong week in and week out. And he's getting his team in great position to, to win football games and get this team to a, uh, to a playoff spot. And eventually uh, it's been so long, just get there. They just got to get there and, and move forward from there. hundred percent. I mean, the bucks, they have all the assets to do it. I don't even know if they need to go out and make a trade. The only thing I would say maybe a corner or a safety, because I just read the Patriots, and let me read this again, correct? Yeah, Patriots have absolutely talked to teams about trading Stephon Gilmore. If I'm the Bucks, go get Gilmore, because if you get that shutdown corner with the D-line that they have, second against the run, now if you can say, oh, we have a shutdown corner to cover the passing game, sky's the limit for this Bucks team. So go out, get someone like Gilmore, maybe a little bit under him, someone of that level would be shut down. So, uh, I'll talk about very quickly here the Seattle game. So another game that pissed me off. I bet Seattle minus three. They blow the game. I lose my money. Could have won 114 this weekend. I win 59 instead. Still decent, but kind of pisses me off. The Russell Wilson couldn't do it. And can we take a chill pill on Russell Wilson? He has not thrown two picks in a game since week 17 of 2018. Calm down. He's Russell Wilson. He's still an MVP. Seattle's still a good team. But what was exposed, and my, uh, my brother actually told me this one, he said Seattle has the lowest QB drop rate of any team in the league. So that's a problem. You can't go into the playoffs saying we can't get to the quarterback, uh, especially when you're playing Aaron Rodgers. If you give Aaron Rodgers time, if you give Brady time, it's not going to work out. So Seattle needs to improve on that for sure. So games going into next week that are important. We have Steelers-Ravens next week at 1 o'clock. going to be a great game. 49ers Seahawks, very important. Uh, and that's really, uh, other than that, there's no real, really tight games. But those are two really important games this weekend. I got to ask you, though, real quick, the line on the Jets game this weekend, for, it's Jets at Chiefs, Chiefs minus 19 and a half. <laughs> that, that's like a college football line. That would you even come line. close to taking that? That is a college football line. But at the same time, the Dolphins <laughs> shut them out 24-0. What do you think the Chiefs are going to do? Uh, the yeah. Jets are the Jets and the players, the coaching staff. I'll tell you right now, they're going into that game. They're going into this week, and they're like, "We're going to get cooked." I think nineteen and a half. You might as well put it put put it down for the fun of it. I like that line. I would say I would sit here and tell you that I would tell you the Chiefs will be up twenty one zero by half at the very least. And I'm like, honestly, they might bench Patrick Mahomes at some point. Like seriously, I haven't seen another Chiefs quarterback throw in a long time, but I think that we might see it. And they might not even throw Pat Mahomes that much. I think that, that, that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell are going to see a whole lot of touches in between the tackles, and they might just drive the offense through uh, the running game. But it's not going to be a football game. I see this being like 35-7 to 7 at the least. This is not going to be a football game whatsoever. I think 19.5 is fair. Yeah, it's going to be a bloodletting. I think if you're the Chiefs, you just go and uh, – you just go and, and – Throw a couple touchdowns and get ahead 21-0, then just run the ball. And just, yeah, that game's not going to be close. I, I don't see that. I would not take that line personally. That's too many points. NFL game, you just never know what's happening. Happens, guys. But we'll have a pod back next week. Thank you guys for listening with CJ Yuri, Steve Cash. And follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P, on Instagram and Facebook at Strictly Sports Productions. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. For CJ, Steve, I'm Jacob Brown, and we will see you next time.